in Joshua chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, <clears throat> When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant uh, and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you'll stand in the Jordan. So he, Joshua tells the people this. Go on down with me down to verse number 13. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the Ark of the Lord the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand up, stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. So the, the rivers flooded, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still, rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down from the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground, in the middle of the Jordan River, the riverbed now, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. And I want us to pray. And I want you to keep in mind what I mentioned. At the end of the service, we're going to have communion, and we're going to have some time of prayer. And there's needs in this house, and you need to expect God to meet those needs. We need to expect God to, to supply our every need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So as we pray, let's pray along those lines too. Father, thank You so much for the reading of Your Word. I pray that You would speak to us, God. Help me, Lord, to preach as You anoint me. Help us to hear what You want us to hear. And I pray, God, that You would supply every need. And we give You praise for that right now in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Now, we're in the Joshua generation again. This is part three. And last time we looked at Rahab, the scarlet thread, the tikva, which is the Hebrew word for hope. And we saw how Rahab had hope because of that scarlet thread. We have hope because of the blood of Jesus. And we talked about how there are Rahabs in this generation, this day and age, 
who are wanting change, people you never thought would make a transition out of the kingdom of darkness until the kingdom of light. They're wanting that change and they're watching you and they're ready to give their lives completely over to the Lord. And God has a way of taking people who have no hope and giving them all hope. God has a way of taking people who have no future and giving them a future. Reversing losses, completely changing the course of lives, even generationally. And we saw that with Rahab, how that everything changed for her. As a matter of fact, David was in her bloodline and Jesus Christ, as a matter of fact, was in this Canaanite prostitute's bloodline because of the change that Jesus made in her life. Now, LifePoint is going somewhere. We are pioneering. It's a new day. It's the Joshua generation. Moses is dead. We're going places that generations have never gone before. We've been discussing this and talking about it. And today, from this chapter, we're going to look at the children of Israel following after the ark. They were commanded to follow after the ark. If you're not familiar with Bible stuff, the ark, this is not Noah's ark. This is the ark of the covenant. That really special piece of furniture that was two and a half by two and a half by four foot box overlaid with gold. Had a mercy seat on top. Had uh, these cherubim creatures on the top that were facing each other but staring down at the mercy. Their wings touched on the top. It's the ark of the covenant. And it represented two things. Number one. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. The presence of God. Joshua, if you'll remember, lingered in the presence of God. And that's typical of the Joshua generation. If we go where we're supposed to go, we need to linger in the presence of God. And the Lord, the command was, follow that Ark, the presence of God. The second thing that the Ark represents is the Word or the Word of the Covenant. It's called... The Ark of the Covenant. That's the agreement that God had made with Abraham and his descendants. The Ark of the Covenant. So it represents the presence of God and the Word of God. The presence and the Word would blaze the trail that Israel would follow into the victory that was promised to them. As it was with the Joshua generation then, so it is with the Joshua generation Now, although now we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is different than they could receive at the time, and although now we have a better covenant based on better promises, the principle remains the same. If you want to experience God's richest and best, then you have to relentlessly pursue the presence of And the word. Everybody say the presence and the word. Don't let his presence and word go in one direction. And you go in another direction. You have to tie yourself to the presence of God. And the word of God. So what does that look like? Well I've got a picture here of what it looked like back then. Back in those days. This is a Benjamin West painting. I've talked about him before. He's the one that his mother's kiss made him an artist. And he painted this, and this is that uh, beautiful picture of the priest leading the way. The priest taking the ark, the people following as they cross over the Jordan. But what does that look like in our day? Well, 
it's interesting to me, the priest carried the ark. And so this is what I would say for our day. It, it looks like this. There are those who, whom God has ordained to lead the way. I would say not necessarily priest, but I would say the ministry. Everybody say the ministry. We're going to have some good teaching today. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting? This is just as exciting as wildlife kids. Those kids are all excited, and I know you are all excited because this is exciting. Here's the deal. You need a good church. As a Christian, as a believer, you are not the Lone Ranger, and you're not going to make it on an island. You need a community of faith. You need a good church with a faithful preacher or ministry team that leads the way into the presence of God and the Word of God. Now, this sounds self-serving, but I'm going to help you out. I've learned a few things in my 50 years. I've learned a few things in my 30 years of ministry. I've learned some stuff from trial and error on my own, on my own, in my own life. You need a church. You need a preacher. You need a ministry team that you can faithfully follow after as they faithfully follow after the presence of God and the Word of God. Paul said to the church at Corinth, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? You've got to be careful who you follow. I get that, man. You've, you've got to be careful. There are a lot of ministry voices out there that say, follow me. And they say it so well, so convincingly, so attractively, hi-fi, hi-deaf. Fancy outfits, well, that's me today, right? Fancy stage, fancy lights. But before you follow them, you need to take a close look and see, are they carrying the ark? Are they pursuing the presence of God and the Word of God? I'm going to tell you something. As a preacher man, as a church planter, as a pastor, it is not... In this day and time, an easy thing to pursue the presence of God and the Word of God and get people to follow you as you do it. I'm just going to confess it to you. It's not an easy thing. It, 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 it's, it's a difficult thing because people, uh, people want to take an easy way. And when you're talking about the presence and the Word, There is no easy way. It's His way or the highway. There is no alternative. And as you faithfully try to pursue the presence of God and the Word of God, it takes commitment, it takes sacrifice, and I'll tell you something else it takes, is it takes a team. It takes a team. And we've got a great team around here. Uh, Anthony, let me get Anthony, you, DJ, come here. Uh, There's a couple of our board members here. Uh, Brendan. Uh, I'll let Lizzie stay there and Valerie stay there. They get mad when I try to call them up and, and stuff. But let me get the guys. Y'all come up here. Come here, DJ, Anthony, uh, Brendan, uh, Wesley, come here. Come here. Wesley. Now, I don't have an Ark of the Covenant. I'm not that. Y'all get up here with me. Let, let's stay down here. Let's stay down here. Let's just get down here. Sorry. I don't have an Ark of the Covenant with me, but, I, but I've got this massive suitcase 
Okay, this is a massive suitcase. Uh, Y'all carry this. Let's carry this. So get up on your shoulders. There you go. So, yeah, right, right. It's empty. Don't let them fool you. It, and and you, you walk. Listen, they, they have to walk together. They have to be careful how they walk. They got to be careful with their balance. It's not an easy thing. It, it's, 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 it would be a lot easier. You can stop right there. Y'all just keep walking. Just walk on around. That's cool. Y'all, y'all doing good there. I like this. I'll just get back up here. Look at them. Now, listen. That it would be easier for them to run off. It would be easier for them not to carry the suitcase. Look, they got to get a moat. They got to move around the beam there. They don't want to drop this thing for sure. I mean, it's a difficult thing to carry, to balance that, to walk together, to unify around that. It's not an easy thing, but it is the thing that had to be done for the children of Israel to follow, for them to go into the promises of God. It takes a team. And I'll tell you today, the ark gets heavy. It's a burden. It can seem to slow you down. You've got to stay focused to keep your balance. You've got to pay careful attention to your steps, to your walk. Critics tell you you're a fool for doing it. Thank you, guys. Let's give them a hand. Critics tell you you're a fool for believing you've got to carry that thing around. Now, I'm just going to tell you, though, We have got to follow ministries that are grounded in the presence of God and the Word of God. You've got to have that. You've got to be challenged to follow that. That's how you enter into the promises of God. Just like it was in the Joshua generation then, that's the way it is with the Joshua generation today. It takes a team, and we've got a great team. I thank God for these men I thank God for accountability. I thank God for men in my life that say, Donovan, are you sure about that? Is that word? I remember I had a revelation one time, and I ran it by my pastor, Jerry Dean. I said, Brother Dean, this is what I think this says in John chapter 3. And, and he threw one word out. He said, I'm not sure about that. What about this? And my revelation crumbled, right? And I said, no, you're right. You're right. My interpretation there was off. It was wrong. But I had a man of God in my life who was carrying the ark who helped me know what was right and the way I should go. And and really, I've had that happen on more than one occasion. And you need ministry in your life that pursues the presence and the word. Not just that calls themselves ministry. Not just that that has a high-fi, high-def platform. But ministry that follows the word. I told those kids at at camp in Hyphen a, a couple of weeks ago. I said, you may come from a country fried church that has fluorescent lights beaming, has not a lick of cool furniture in it, has no cool new songs that are being sung. But if there's the presence of God and a faithfulness to the truth of God, you are in the right place. Amen. Give me a banjo buck tooth. I shouldn't say that, but, you know, a banjo player that pursues the presence of God and the Word of God. I'll take that any day over the latest, greatest thing that's off of Scripture and not in the presence of God. And I'll tell you something else. You better love your preacher and your pastor and your ministry team because it ain't easy. The ministry team in, in a church that faithfully stays in the Word and pursues the presence of God, that ministry team has a target on its back. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church, but I'm just telling you the truth. 
has a target on its back. You better love your preacher. You better look out for the ministry in your church. You better be an advocate and a defender of the ministry in your life. Don't dog out the ministry to your kids or to other saints or for heaven's sake to people outside the church. You better shut that down. You better advocate. Cover them in prayer and in fasting. Preachers get a bad rap. You know, like they take your money, they eat fried chicken, and they sleep all day long, right? Brother Barbara, that's... Preachers get a bad rap for, and, and that's some goofball preachers. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying you, you listen. If he's doing his job, that man or that woman is trying to get your family to heaven. So, so don't resist and don't fight and don't gossip. Cooperate with them for crying out loud. Go, go through Discover Life. Find out what makes us tick. And be, be, we've got eight or nine people graduating from uh, Discover Life this next week. Get involved. Get on a team. Be a team player. Follow them as they follow Christ. Can I get an amen? You better love your preacher. You better love me. You hear what I'm saying? If you don't love your preacher, if you can't follow that man of God, you better find you somebody that you can follow because I'm going to tell you, it's connected to your journey to the promised land. Do you hear what I'm saying? You've got to have a man of God in your life. You've got to have a preacher. You've got to have a pastor. You've got to have somebody help you get to heaven. We all need it. The devil would like nothing more than for your preacher to quit pursuing the presence of God and the word of God and just be like every other religious person in the world. And I'm going to tell you something. I've got a, a, a much of my life, 30 years of ministry, invested in this. And with God as my help, I am doing my best to carry this ark. I've not always gotten it right. I've faltered. I've stumbled at times. I've had plenty of opportunities to put down this ark and take an easier path. But with God's help, I am going to continue to carry this, pursue the presence of God and the word of God to the best of my ability. And I'm asking you, come on with me, y'all. Let's make it on the other side. Get your kids involved. Let's cross the Jordan together. Let's enter into his promises. Let's see a revival that will shake the nation. Amen. How about it? Can you imagine if some rogue priests in Joshua's day would have refused to carry the ark and started yelling out to the congregation, Hey, y'all, forget about those cats carrying the ark. Come follow me. We can hoof it. We can move quicker. And, and they would have tried to get a movement. We can move faster. We're not restricted by the by the burden of carrying that thing y'all come over here we can get where we're going in a hurry here's what i found you can attract more people with an easier message i'm gonna tell you something i know how to get people in this room i've been doing this a minute i know how to get people in this room but what i found is it's, it's not just about getting people in this room. It's about getting people into the presence of God and into the Word of God. You can attract more people with an easier message 
I call it the get big quick scheme. There's a, there are big get big quick schemes. You've heard of get rich quick schemes. There's get big quick schemes. When it comes to church and church growth, especially in North America. But a crowd doesn't necessarily mean you've got a church. Those priests without the Ark of the Covenant, they may have found a way even to cross that flooded river, taking boats or a bridge, but it wouldn't have involved faith. It wouldn't have involved the power of God. But those old faithful priests who were willing to carry that ark, no matter how awkward it was, when their feet hit the water, the power of God moved that flooded river uh, up uh, in a heap, and the people entered into the victory of the Lord on God's terms and in God's timing. It made a difference. It made a big difference in, as it was in Joshua's generation. So it is in this Joshua generation. We've got to be committed to preaching the truth if it fills up the room or if it empties the room. Because that's where the power of God is. That's where the glory is. That's where the presence is. That's where signs and miracles and wonders from God are. The Joshua generation has to be led by preachers who love the truth. Everybody say, love the truth. Man, you don't hear preaching about this much anymore. Oh, my God. Like, I'm just so sick of the religious uh, spirits in our day. Listen to what Paul said, 2 Thessalonians 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him... We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining that must be revealed in our own time? A lot of prophetic word there. But this tells us that Christ's followers will fall away. Everybody say fall away. Let's repeat and repeat today. Fall away from what? From following Christ. From following the presence. From following the word. That means they will not just quit following those things. They will start to follow the anti-Christ. The anti-presence of God. The anti-word of God. Paul said it was already happening in his day. And hear me, the devil is no amateur. He is, he's experienced, he's tricky, he's powerful. And he even has his own signs and wonders. I, I don't fully understand this, uh, but we don't follow signs. Jesus said signs follow believers. What you believe is more important than some kind of demonstration per se. Because you can get tricked in, in people with, you know, the power of God did this and the power of God did that, and yet they preach something that's not true. You, you've got to be focused on the Word and, and the presence, the, the miracles and stuff, 
will follow you. Listen to what he said, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Listen to this. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. And not with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Listen. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They were tricked by the devil by leadership that, were, that was leading the way away from the presence of God and away from the word of God. Leadership that was leading them in an area of deception. But they didn't realize they were being deceived because they didn't love the truth. We got a generation that's learned not to love the truth. And we got to have a return to truth. If it, if it fills the room, if it empties the room, we're going to pursue the presence of God and that word of God to the very end because it's what will get us to the other side. The presence, the word. Paul said this to, sec, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. You don't hear about judgment anymore. What do you think that means, judge the living and the dead? Like He's going to say, hey, everybody, everything's okay. He's going to say, no, you come into the joy of the kingdom. You depart from me. I never knew you. It's a great dividing day, a judgment day uh, at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, Paul says to Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, solid teaching. But according to their own desires, lusts, wants. Because they have ears that want to be itched. They're, they're scratched. They're itching ears. They will heap for themselves, teachers, they will pull teachers in, listen, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. They will get teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. When you are looking for a church to tell you what you want rather than what the Word says, you have fallen into that category. I want to tell you something. We need ministry that tells us the truth of the Word of God if it fills the house or empties the house. It's a desperate need of this day and of the Joshua generation. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God and the Word of the Covenant and the priests were to bear it. Joshua was to meditate in the Word all day, every day, and the people were to follow it and when they camped, they were to put the ark in the center of their camp. And they were to follow the, 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 the ark as they went on their journeys. All of their tent doors opened and faced the center of the camp where the ark of the covenant was. So basically, for, for them to get where God wanted them to go, they had to put God front and center. Their lives had to be totally focused on and revolve around the center of their camp where the Ark of the Covenant was. This was a focus that was radical and fanatical. And here's the, here's the application for us. You just can't have your religious life and your normal life. What's wrong with us, man? What are we smoking, right? You've got like your religious life 
and your real life, if my religious life is separate and devoid of my real life, my spiritual life, then listen, we need to close the doors and go home because something is wrong. My life should revolve around the presence and the word of God. If this is real, he's got to be front and center. If I've got my spiritual life and my real life, then something is jacked up. I need a, it's one or the other. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Here's what that looks like. Church cannot be a club. It cannot be a social thing. It's about putting Jesus front and center. Now, here at LifePoint, we're all about Jesus, people, mission, and we express that like in first week. We have Holy Communion on Sunday, the first Sunday, prayer on first Monday. Jesus is first. Communion that first Sunday, prayer that first Monday. We focus on Jesus. Everything we do is in response to his overwhelming love and mercy. Jesus is first. And then people matter. Jesus, people. People matter. And the way we express that is not just in our gathering together here on Sundays and Wednesdays, but also in our gathering together in communities, in small groups. We just took hyphen, which is a small group, to a baseball game. And to Papacitas. And to Torchy's Tacos. Why? We were fostering community. Community is important. Community is vital. Like, we have to have community. But if we are having groups, listen, just to have community, and there's no presence and there's no word in that, we're off track. The ultimate purpose is to get the community focused on Jesus and then to reach out on a mission and get other people into the community focused on Jesus. Jesus, people, and mission. It's all about Him. And, and, and that's, that's where the Joshua generation had to put the presence and the word front and center. They went where he led them. They worshiped the way he instructed them. They ate the way he told them to eat. They dressed the way he told them to dress. He said, don't mix cotton and linen together. It means something to me, he said. And so the tailors would not mix cotton and linen. It's one or the other. Why? God told us to do that. He was front and center. They did and did not do things simply because God said with their time, with their talent, with their treasure, everything was Christ-centered. Everything was Jesus front and center. And if you want to move into his promises, if you want a fresh start, if you want some new direction, listen, you've got to put him front and center. But it's not easy. He never promised it would be. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to take your cross up every day. You're going to deny yourself and follow me. That's how you're going to follow me. 
they had to deny themselves. Those priests had to deny themselves, pick up that Ark of the Covenant and towed it around. And those people, there was space enough where a million or so of them could look ahead and see them out there. And they would follow right where those priests were taking that Ark of the Covenant. They would follow the Lord, the presence and the word everywhere they went. It wasn't easy, but it's the way they were to get where God had promised them they would go. And that's the way it is with us. And listen to this. Here's what it takes. Joshua said it in verse five. He said to the people. Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. People want the power, but they don't want the sanctification. People want the power and the direction, but they don't want to sacrifice a thing. They don't want to lay down their lives or take up their cross for nothing. Just give me the benefits, Lord. It doesn't work that way. You want the power? you got to lay your life down. You want, you want to just play church? You can do that all day long with priests that don't carry the ark at all. You can do that all day long. Dime a dozen. But you want the stuff that Jesus promised? You want that healing? You want that deliverance? You want that peace? You want that, that, uh, that situation taken care of? And, and you live long enough, life's going to smack you right between the face and you'll be crying out to the Lord. But you want the answer to that prayer? You've got to sanctify yourselves, man. You've got to turn to Him and open up and say, it's all about you and not about me, and I'm pursuing you with everything that I have, everything that I am. I am sanctifying myself, setting myself apart from everything else, my own desires even. It requires the deepest of commitment if you want to pursue the presence and the Word of God. Now, I'm just going to challenge you today. Joshua generation we got places to go. we got things to do. God's got a calling on your life, a calling on my life. He's linked us up. He's connected us. I believe that we're going to see more and more people coming into LifePoint. I said last year, Anthony, you're my witness. I just give you, put you on the spot. But I said it to our core team. I said, God's going to give us people who are already believers. We've always reached for the unchurched. And the de-churched, you know what that is. The unchurched, they don't know nothing about Jesus. The de-churched, they went to church and got burned and got mad, right? So we always went for the unchurched and the de-churched. But I, I told our group, I said, we're going to start seeing the church. God's going to lead church people into life point. And sure enough, it started happening. He's been building a team. And we've got places to go. And we've got things to do. And we've got unchurched and de-churched people out there that need to know something about the love of Jesus. we got, we got people that have been burned and angry and mad at church. They're mad at God, and they don't understand. There, there's a difference. They, were just, they, were just, they just got hurt. The devil tricked them. The devil got them off base. But there's a heavenly Father that loves them and knows right where they are. And this is a place, a house of healing and mercy. They can come to Bethesda, to the house of mercy. They can come to this place. We've got a mission. We've got some stuff to do. But the way it's going to happen, we've got to put word right in the middle of everything and pursue the presence of God with everything we have. And we're going to have to sanctify ourselves to do it. There's some people that have been discouraged in this house. Oh, man. You're like, I thought God would do this and I thought God would do that. I want to tell you, don't turn around. 
Don't backslide. Don't back up for a moment. You keep pursuing. Roll up your sleeve. Redouble your efforts. I know it's not about us saving ourselves and our efforts and all that stuff. But on, on, on the other hand, you sanctify yourself. You, you, don't, you don't surrender to those thoughts of discouragement. You say, Father, I don't understand this, but I thank you for your mercy. I'm grateful for your kindness, and I'm going to pursue you and your word. And God, help me to understand what I'm reading and depositing in my spirit. Help me to hear what Donovan is saying and the ministry team is saying at LifePoint. Help me, Father, as I worship you and you, you inhabit the praises. I don't necessarily feel you right now, but I want you to know I don't have to. You're worthy of all praise and honor and glory, and I give it to you from the bottom of my heart. I'm not worthy to stand in your presence, Lord, but I thank you for the blood. I thank you for hope. You pursue the word with everything you've got in the presence of God, with everything you've got. And watch what God does. God will, as we sanctify ourselves, God will be front and center. And he'll take us where we need to go. Won't you stand with me right now?